Welcome to Body Sculpt of New York, six weeks to fitness podcast, where we hope to inform, motivate, encourage, and inspire you towards living a healthier lifestyle. And now, here's your host, the president of Body Sculpt of New York, Vince Ferguson. Welcome to Six Weeks of Fitness, episode 212. Thank you so much for joining me today. Are you suffering from brain fog, anxiety, asthma, fatigue, high blood pressure? What about snoring or sleep apnea? Did you know that most of us are not breathing correctly? That's right. And by changing the way we breathe, we can actually reverse most, if not all of these illnesses. Joining me today on my Six Weeks of Fitness podcast, is Carice Laguerre, who will not only explain why this is so, but she will also show us how to breathe correctly. Carice, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Uh, share a little bit about yourself first before we get into the podcast. So I am a licensed registered dental hygienist. However, I don't practice clinically anymore. I am a myofunctional therapist, and I'm sure we'll dive into that because a lot of people just, I lost them there. They're like, a what? But essentially what I do is I do help people to use their oral facial and oral pharyngeal muscles optimally. That way we can facilitate nasal breathing and we can help them with digestion, with sleep, with a lot of different things, honestly, because breath is really the foundation of life. I am also a wife and a mother of four and, you know, I live in sunny South Florida. And so that's like the beautiful bullet points that I have for my life. That is awesome. And I know you wrote the book Accomplished, right? Which is amazing. All right. And basically you delve into how to sleep better, eliminate burnout and execute goals. What was the impetus for that book? There is so much information in today's day and age. We are influxed with it, but there's critical information that I feel like is lacking. If you were to Google, how do I sleep better? You're going to get all sorts of ads. You're going to get all sorts of things. They're going to tell you to eliminate blue light. They're going to tell you to get this mattress, to buy this pillow, to sleep this way, to do that. But the biggest factor that plays a role in your sleep and then subsequently your productivity and how you feel the next day is actually how you breathe. So you could spend all the money and do all the things and and take all the advice that you can find on the internet. And for some reason, it still lacks enough support and research and evidence to put forward that nasal breathing is actually the key. So that was my why. We needed to have more real conversations about what it takes to create a solid foundation for optimal sleep. That way we can all be our best self. We can perform better. We can show up better. We can be more productive. Why isn't nasal breathing talked about? I'm, I'm in the fitness industry over 30 years, okay? Military veteran. And, you know, I never took the time to learn how to breathe properly. And no one talks, I mean, no one talks about the importance of breathing through your nose and out through your mouth, or even sometimes breathing through your nose and out through your nose, right? Absolutely. Why is it not talked about? This is too important. It's so important. You know, I wish it was talked about more. I have no idea why it's not discussed more. I assume just because it's not a very fun or attractive topic, right? Who wants to talk about their nose ever? 
probably not too many people. But when we think about the foundation of breathing and what our body was built for, like we don't misuse our kidneys, we don't misuse our heart. And for some reason, we have that tendency to misuse our nose. So it's just getting back to the basics of things that we were taught when we were very young. Our mouth is for eating and our nose is for breathing. Use that <laughs> nose. You know, there was a, I read, I heard a scripture recently. I've, I've known it for years, but it didn't dawn on me the significance of it until I heard it the other day. It said that God breathed the breath of life into our nostrils. The yeah. breath of life into our nostrils, not into our mouths, right? Exactly. So I'm like, if that's the case, then we should be breathing through our nostrils, right? Yeah. <laughs> so nasal breathing is going to create a lot of change within the body in various aspects. So it has like a trickle down effect because the nose, when we inhale and exhale through our nose, when we're inhaling more specifically, we're going to be able to filter, warm, humidify that air and really prime it for reception. So it can bind with the receptors and go through the body. That's our hemoglobin. What we want is to get all of that oxygen in there to get that nitric oxide to really utilize it because that's going to help us with our neurological benefits. So cognition will be able to be more clear. We can get better critical thinking, all of that frontal mm -hmm. lobe access. We need oxygen for that, mm -hmm. right? That's the nose. The nose is going to help with that. When we are breathing and we're breathing properly, we're actually using our tongue to stimulate that nasal floor. So our tongue is going to sit up against the roof of our mouth. So when our tongue is sitting up against our palate, it's lightly suctioned there. It's actually stimulating our vagus nerve. Our vagus nerve is very critical for our autonomic nervous system. So that's that rest and digest, fight or flight, right? So that's also going to help us as we're trying to self-regulate and keep our bodies in a very neutral state. So people with anxiety, depression, it's oftentimes we find that just having that connection and being able to stimulate your autonomic nervous system is going to help with that. And mm -hmm. when we're talking about ADHD and ADD, those types of issues typically do stem from the fact that we are cognitively impaired. And so the body winds up having to regulate itself in an inappropriate way. So we wind up compensating essentially when we're not getting enough oxygen to our brains. And so that's going to change the function and what's happening and occurring during the daytime. Um, when we're talking about digestion, I mean, there's so many different ways we can go about this. Yeah. When we're talking about digestion, when we are not breathing through our nose or breathing through our mouth, a lot of times we tend to swallow air. That's going to trigger a lot of things with uh, excessive gassiness. We know a lot of people who are very belchy or uh, flatulence, that'll happen a lot. You'll wind up with gastroenterological um, reflux disease. That's going to be a problem too. That's Heart disease, our blood flow is actually regulated. And when we're mouth breathing, you have a higher rate of having a high blood pressure. And so we're in a state where if we're not breathing properly, it trickles down to so many different systems in our body that we can't even pin it down to just one or two important ones. These are all super important functions. We, we digest, we have blood flow every day. We think we need to critically think mm. all of it. It's so incredibly important. Well, you touched on some very, very powerful points. You mentioned nitric oxide, which is 
supports your immune system, helps your immune system, correct? Oh, yes. The vasodilator opens up the, right? Get the blood flow. Yeah, absolutely. It gets the blood flowing. That will, that oxygen that's attached to those red blood cells, it can move about the body. Absolutely. Nitric oxide is incredibly important for our oh, fitness junkies. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that's why I'm, I'm like blown away because I just, I just, I just started focusing on this maybe about a month ago. But in that short time span, I've gotten so much more energy. You know, I feel so much more invigorated. And I, I'm just telling you, this is, this is something that people need to focus on. I don't care how healthy you eat, how much exercise you do. If you're not breathing right, you're wasting your time. You know, or, or it's going to be a harder battle for you, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I like to say that we can go for days without water. We could go for weeks without food, but who here can live for any, but a few minutes without air? Without air. Yes. Yes. It's the foundation. We need it more than we need anything else. Mm. Now you mentioned, uh, you mentioned ADHD, heart disease. So something like no nasal breathing can actually help you even when it comes to heart disease and ADHD. Your son, did he suffer from ADHD? He did, he did. It was actually misdiagnosed. So a lot of times it winds up compounding in children and then it turns into adult ADHD, which manifests itself a little different. But in children, it's surprising that we don't talk about ADHD more because ADHD is often misdiagnosed in some cases for children. It has a 70% overlap with the symptoms of sleep disordered breathing. And so when we think about ADHD, we really have to critically think about how it is diagnosed. Diagnosed. It's not something you go and get a blood test for. There's no MRI that finds the ADHD receptor in your brain. It's something that is all symptom-based, right? So they take a look at your symptoms and they say, okay, yeah, it's ADHD. When there is an opportunity to have a differential diagnosis, it's incredibly important. So with a 70% overlap, we could be looking at the fact that these kids are not adequately breathing and then their sleep cycles are dysregulated, which then in turn, sleepy mm. adults, sleepy adults, we're tired, we're fatigued all day. Sleepy children are wound up. They get more hyperactive mm, and wow. different presentation. So it looks like, and it feels like ADHD for people who are unfamiliar, but a lot of times it really is that they're not breathing well. And when they're not breathing well, they're not sleeping well, and that's going to impact their performance in school, their emotional and behavioral <laughs> control. That's going to change their entire growth trajectory. Wow. Wow. And as a myofunctional therapist, now what exactly do you do to diagnose these problems with, with families? So as a myofunctional therapist, I am kind of like a personal trainer of sorts, but only oh, okay. for the muscles below the eyes, but above the shoulders. So yeah. I work in this wonderful, beautiful range, over a hundred muscles that are in that range. And I work to pinpoint where is the dysfunction. A lot of times there's asymmetry. There are some muscles that are overactive, others that are underactive. And I work to bring a balance in. So we strengthen awareness and use exercises and so forth to help to build that awareness of the musculature there. And then we start to coordinate and we figure out how they're supposed to be using their muscles. We build awareness to that. 
And then we bring it into their daily life. What does this look like as you are in real time breathing, as you are in real time doing an activity? Kids might be bouncing around in my office. How are we supposed to be regulating our breathing while we're doing that? What does it look like when you're eating, when you're drinking? It's a really well-rounded program that does start off with a lot of exercises, which is why I love the comparison with personal training. People can get that kind of image in their mind. We're taking muscles that nobody really thinks about. You know, when we're in the gym, nobody's working these neck and the face muscles. No, no. So you're taking those muscles and putting them through an adequate workout. That way you can get better function. Wow. In your practice, do you actually have to see the clients physically or could you diagnose them and work with them virtually? So the beauty of COVID has been that we have learned to really adapt to having these teletherapy appointments and teletherapy style of of programs. So what I do is I am able to see people everywhere all across the globe, because when I when I am doing a lot of my therapy, a lot of my therapy is not like a touch based or a physically manipulative based therapy. It's more of a direction like a guidance based therapy. So I can see when there's compensation and I can use verbal cues and try to redirect verbally over a medium just as this where it would be like a zoom and we're doing a telecommunication wow so you can actually look at someone and tell what's going on oh yes oh yes there's a lot of times i'm minding my own business i might be at the supermarket (laughs) (laughs) i see issues (laughs) you do (laughs) amazing so you can look and tell Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. So so let's talk about the tongue. Let's go back for a second. Because you mentioned the tongue. Now, and you you know, you said the tongue has to be located where? Talk about why it's important and why where the tongue should be, all that good stuff. Yes. So the tongue actually has a place where it is supposed to rest. When we are not using our tongue, we're not speaking, we're not eating, we're not drinking our tongue should rest lightly suctioned up to the roof of the mouth. So from just beyond the two front teeth, all the way back to our soft palate. So if everybody would just take a second to realize that that's the entire length of that upper arch, really take your tongue, go from the back upper teeth, all the way back, you'll feel it's hard, 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 soft. That's the duration of which your tongue should be suctioned up. So it really encompasses the entirety of that upper arch, that hard palate. Up here. Soft. Absolutely. Absolutely. So at rest, that's going to stimulate that nasal floor. It's going to stimulate the vagus nerve, like I uh, mentioned earlier. It's going to help us so that we're able to regulate optimally a lot of signals for digestion, it, symbol, it signals once it's up there. So you're getting a lot of benefit from just having your tongue up there when you're not using it. When you're not using it, your tongue's still working. It's working to help keep you regulated. That is amazing. How many people know that? You know, we just think it's just there, you know? <laughs> lollipops or whatever it is exactly and nobody's thinking about it but there's a real easy way to kind of figure out where your tongue is because i know that's probably the question in everybody's mind right now so if we just take a second if you're standing just stand up tall if you're sitting just put your feet flat and sit up nice and tall take a deep breath in through your nose and then you'll exhale back out through your nose we're going to do it again you take an inhale 
through your nose. Just be aware consciously of where your tongue is. Take an exhale back out through your nose and then feel where you're feeling your tongue in your mouth. Is your tongue up against that palate or is it kind of floating in the middle of the mouth? Or do you feel it hanging down low? If it is hanging low or on the floor, it's not too late. It's never too late. We can always retrain. You can always get that tongue to sit where it needs to sit. But mm. being aware of where your tongue is at rest is the key. So if, if, even if you're meditating, you can actually practice that with the tongue at the upper part of your mouth. Absolutely. You'll find you'll even get a better breath because with that tongue up there, it moves the tongue up and out of the airway. So our tongues are very long. They actually can extend down by C6, C7. And so their cervical spine. And so when we are getting our tongue up and it's suctioned against the roof of our mouth, that leaves more space in the back for our air to go through that upper respiratory tract. So it's incredibly important to be mindful of that tongue posture. It's gonna give you a better breath. You'll be able to meditate longer and deeper and take those good quality breaths. Huh. Definitely something I will put into practice immediately, immediately, really. And now you also mentioned when we talked about breath, you talked about nasal breathing, you mentioned how it affects your blood pressure. Now I deal a lot with people who have high blood pressure issues. So you're telling me breathing through your nose can help bring, regulate, bring down your blood pressure. Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. So when our nose is working for our breathing, our nose and the nitric oxide, it's going to help with the binding of the oxygen to those blood receptors. That's going to help our blood flow. Our blood flow is going to flow better. When we don't have that, our body has to actually work a little harder. So it's working harder. Our heart is pumping harder. We're getting a lot more that has to happen to push the blood through. Everything is kind of working under intense pressure when there's not enough oxygen. And so that is going to cause your cardiovascular system to really dysregulate itself. And it's going to put you in one of these issues where a lot of times we find, or people that I work with find that they have issues where they cannot get their blood pressure to medicate, to uh, regulate, I'm sorry, properly, unless they're on constant medication. So diet isn't working for them. They're trying to figure out what it is they could do. They're exercising and it's just medication. That's the only thing that seems to be making any difference. Once you change the breathing now, suddenly it's like a light bulb that just pops on. This is it. This is the thing that it should have been the whole time. Just breathing to open up all of the vasal receptors and vasodilate. Hmm. Now, I would imagine that you all you have to sometimes breathe in through your mouth. There are times if you're congested, for instance, if other of issues, right? Course. Of course, it's a fail safe, right? So there are times where we might have to, you know, get out of a plane in an emergency exit and we might actually need that oxygen mask that falls from the thing that they're always talking about. But we don't want that to be our first line. We do not want that to be, okay, everybody gets in the plane, you put on your oxygen mask. No, (laughs) that's your fail safe. That's if all else goes wrong. Absolutely. We need that. We need that backup. So the mouth is your backup. It's not your your primary first step. It's actually going to put you at a deficit because there's no way for you to get that air to optimize. You won't be able to warm that air to humidify it. You're probably going to dry out your mouth. You're going to have no way to filter that air. 
the only way that it might get filtered is possibly passing through your lymph tissue and your mouth. Those are your tonsils. Mm. And so there are people there who would find out that they have enlarged tonsils. Their tonsils may have perhaps been catching too much of the, the bad air or the things that would have been filtered naturally through the nose. So it's a fail safe. If you're congested, your body's prepared and we can breathe through our mouths. But if you're not congested and you're not sick, you're not ill, you should be able to nasal breathe. That is that is our primary method of which respiration should occur. Wonderful. Even if you're walking or you're jogging, you recommend nasal breathing in and out through your nose. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you watch most of the Olympics, you'll find that there are a lot of the runners, a lot of the elite runners. Um, Sandra Richard Ross is one of the elite ones who have done a lot of work on nasal breathing. That's what helps you to get that goal. You're, you're getting your endurance up, you're powering up your, your body, your cells, your mitochondria, everything is ready and raring to go. And you're able to utilize more of your body and really be more efficient and more uh, performance enhanced, I guess, by yeah, just yeah. nasal breathing. It's amazing because again, I, I would do like 100 push-ups in the morning. And I noticed when I'm breathing through my nose, I can do 150. Yes. Non-stop. I mean, pull-ups. I have a little pull-up bar here in my house. And I normally do like maybe 10 pull-ups in the morning. But now when I'm doing, I'm breathing through my nose and out through my nose, I do 15 and 20 pull-ups. I just seem to have more energy and I'm not as tired after I do it. That is awesome. It changes everything. So a lot of people say, you know, it's really difficult when you first start. Absolutely. As are all things, right? I don't go into the gym and try to, you know, get 300 pounds as my first start. You got to take it slow. So baby steps. So it's not impossible. You can definitely, while your body is in endurance mode and while you're in performance mode, you can nasal breathe. It just may take some time to try to get that body to readjust to having to utilize that as your primary respiration method. How many people would you say do the opposite? You know, breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth. How many people percentage-wise in, in this country? Just in a number. Probably a lot. I would say at least 80%. The majority of people do that. Exactly. Like okay. I said, sometimes I'm minding my business. I'm in the supermarket and uh, it's, it's all over. <laughs> <laughs> you see it all over. <laughs> That's it's everywhere. Yes, yes. So let's talk about mouth breathing. Let's talk about sleep. I think sleep is so important, right? And so many of us are mouth breathers, mouth breathers right? Yes. We breathe in through our mouth at night. And that's, that has been a major issue for me because I, I'd wake up with dry mouth, right? So talk yeah. about that. Okay. So when we're mouth breathing at night, like I said, with the mouth, you're not getting optimal oxygen. And so that oxygen, it's a poorer quality and you, you can't optimize it as much. It's going to slow down and affect everything. And so our body is supposed to do restorative activities while we are sleeping. 
Okay. So once we get down in the first stage of sleep, stage one, stage two, it's really light. We start to lower our blood pressure. All of the muscles start to relax. And then the body should then take over. And the brain is supposed to do the most of its activity. The brain cleanses itself during that time. The brain inputs memory. We're getting a lot of restorative functions in our immune system. A lot is supposed to happen. But if we are mouth breathing and the body is not getting enough oxygen, the body has one primary goal, keep human alive. Yes. That's it. Yes. <laughs> That's yes. it. Yes. Yes. If the body is not oxygenating well, if you're having apneas or episodes where you wake up and you're gasping for air or you're really struggling to breathe, a lot of snorers may not understand, but you are struggling to breathe when you're snoring. That snoring is actually the sound of air meeting resistance as it's going through the upper respiratory tract. So the mm. muscles may have gotten too lax or they may be come, um, closing down on each other. And then that's going to cause that resistance for the air. So you're not getting adequate air. The body now has to reprioritize into keeping you alive. So now it's going to pump the blood a little bit harder. You're blood pressure that should be lower now that way you can get all those restorative tasks is now going to ramp up and rise we find that a lot of people who do uh, pass away due to obstructive sleep apnea that's happening at like 4 to 6 a.m because after an entire night of the blood just trying to regulate the body and the heart just trying to regulate the body and keep that air flowing and keep everything going yeah. it just winds up with a cardiac event and you just you know all of this could be avoided by just breathing appropriately wow. so there's a lot of great steps we can mm. take before bed to ensure that we're nasal breathing and to keep those uh, nasal passages open first step nasal hygiene routine Nasal hygiene is of paramount importance. We're cleaning and cleansing a lot of other areas of our body. It's important if nowhere else, if you don't take a shower for that day, but you've cleaned your nose, you're on a good path, okay? <laughs> take a saline rinse and clean out the nose. Some people even use irrigation systems. So you may have heard of like the neti pot where, you know, you pour the yeah. solution, the saline solution up one nostril, it comes out the other yes. nostril. Yes. That's not everybody's favorite way to do it, but you could take a saline spray and you could spray and cleanse out the nostrils that way. Then you want to make sure you're keeping them open. So you can use a nasal strip that would go on top of the nose and on it's got to open and lift your nostrils from the outside. So it's an external opening, or you could take a nasal dilator, which is kind of like having little cones that hold open from within the nasal, um, within the nostrils, it's going to hold open that nasal cavity. So you're going to be able to take in more oxygen through your nose. That's going to help you far more than any fancy pillow or fancy yeah. uh, mattress ever could. Make sure you're keeping your nose available so that you can get all the oxygen you need. That way your body doesn't have to go to its backup systems and have your heart in distress. It can actually do the restorative properties that you need and help to prevent you from having the, the poor, unfortunate adverse effects of having obstructive sleep apnea. So these methods are going to help you to nas no, nasal breathe, right? Mm -hmm. So, okay, so again, most people who snore, their mouths are open. But if my mouth is open, I'm going to breathe through my mouth. What about this? What about people who recommend putting tape on your lips? 
So tape on the lips is okay. That is something that a lot of people do use that way they can help to keep their mouth closed. But if you're keeping your mouth closed and not really cleaning out your nose to make sure your nose is open, then eh, you might yeah. be running into a different kind of problem. A lot of times people might find that they go to sleep with the mouth tape, they wake up and they've taken it off unbeknownst to themselves. Right. Because again, the body's primary directive, keep human alive. So if at some point in time, while you are unconscious, you are not aware, but your body's aware that, hey, we can't breathe, you're going to remove that tape and then you will mouth breathe for the rest of the night. So if you're going to mouth tape, I highly, highly recommend that one, you make sure that you're cleaning out your nose and, and keeping that open and patent. That way you can ensure that if your mouth is closed, your nose is able to <clears throat> receive that air. But two, check out to make sure that there isn't a reason why you are breathing through your mouth before you start taping. So that would my, that would involve probably going to an ENT, an ear, nose, throat doctor. They are going to go in there and scope and see, are your turbinates enlarged? Do you have sinus issues? Is there blockage? Do you have a deviated septum? Is there something going on with the nose? So before you close that mouth off, make sure that there's nothing going on in your nose. Hmm. Good advice. Very good advice. First things first is the saline solution. Yeah. <laughs> right? And this is, and where can I where can I get that? Any drain weed or Walmart, whatever it is? Anywhere. Absolutely anywhere. I've even seen them in dollar stores. So they're in what? convenience stores. Oh. Yes. Convenience <laughs> stores and all sorts of stores. So saline is just like a really wonderful mixture of uh, like a salt water solution. Oh. So you can't, you can just put salt water up your nose and... Uh, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> it's like a special mixture. <laughs> okay, okay, good. I'm going to go out and get some saline solution from the store, you know? Yeah. Let's talk about sleep again. How much sleep do you think we need? Most experts say we need seven to nine hours of sleep. I heard one athlete say he gets 13 hours a night. I mean, come on. How much do we need? Everybody's different. Everybody is different. So that wonderful average, that was from a study that was taken in the early 50s. And so when we're talking about the 1950s and then we start talking about today, the 2020s, I mean, we are night and day. We're living entirely different lives. We've all got electronics. We've got these electromagnetic fields around us. We've got more blue light. We are working different hours than people were in the 1950s. We have a different lifestyle. So what may have been the average then is different from what's the average now. So I think instead of looking at the quantity, so how many hours it is that you sleep, it's more important to look at the quality of your sleep. When you go to sleep and you wake up in the next day, are you refreshed? Are you waking up feeling like, oh, that was such a great night of sleep. I'm ready to go. Or are you waking up still feeling sluggish, tired, and unrefreshed? If mm -hmm. that's the case, it doesn't matter that you may have been in that bed doing sleep, and I'm using quotes, yes, <laughs> sleep yes, for yes. seven to nine hours, your body did not get any restorative processes done. Your body kept you alive for seven to nine hours. <laughs> you didn't actually sleep. And so it's incredibly important that we stop looking at the time, the duration of which we're in bed, and we start thinking about how we feel, because that's the determining factor as to whether or not we purposefully slept. Huh. So all these methods can help us 
with brain fog to clear up our, our, our thinking. I know it has for me, so I'm sure that's what it's doing. It can also help with fatigue, right? Absolutely. And what about um, asthmatics, respiratory uh issues? Asthmatics. Mm -hmm. A lot of times with the respiratory issues and the respiratory lag, so asthma, respiratory lag often go hand in hand. We're not getting the oxygen to fill up our lungs. So we find that a lot of asthmatics are chest breathing as opposed to diaphragmatic breathing. So when we think about our diaphragm, that's a wonderful muscle that helps to support our lungs. When we're breathing, we want that air, that rise and fall to happen, not from the chest, but to happen from our belly. When it's happening from our belly, we're engaging that diaphragm. That diaphragm is going to support the lungs and it's going to enable us to breathe deeper and get more of the oxygen deeper into that lower third of the lungs. When that's not happening, we are at an absolute deficit. So that's going to decrease your lung volume and capacity <clears throat> and the ability of which you are to fill up that lungs. And so that's when you need your inhaler and you need different support to help open up those alveoli. And that's going to be the differentiator. Your nasal breathing, your diaphragmatic breathing is going to be the differentiator in your asthma and how well you're able to manage it. It seems like nasal breathing is the be all end all, you know, it's like, uh, I mean, really, and I'm not making this up. I'm saying this is like amazing to me. And it's not like it hasn't been around since the beginning of time. It has been. <laughs> <laughs> but do you think that most doctors in the medical field are not aware, are not up on this? You know, they could be, they could prescribe this to their patients. Go home, nasal breathe. Okay. <laughs> what do you think about that? You think most doctors are not even aware of this? I think there's not enough education around it. There's definitely not. We have specialties, ear, nose, throat doctors, and we have pulmonologists who are specialists in this and probably will be the first to advocate for you. But how many people have seen a pulmonologist or an ear, nose, throat doctor? Many of us are just going to our primary care physician and our primary care physician is not well-versed on this stuff. Yeah. So that's why many of us are not hearing a lot about it. And that's really the, the biggest downfall of the medical system is that I wish there was a lot more cross-communication and cross-education um, across these fields. So your primary care physician knows exactly what your ENT might suggest to you, that you start investing yourself in nasal breathing. Hmm. Now your practice, and I say practice because you're like a, a doctor, you know, um, are you seeing more clients as a result of this since COVID? Absolutely. So I think nobody has ever thought about breathing more than since COVID. Yes. Yeah. We put masks on our face and everybody is thinking about, well, what's going on with my breathing? Or some people, some people, this is one of the interesting things that COVID did bring us when everybody's wearing masks, some people who are mouth breathing are starting to catch their breath back in their mask. And that's when they're like, wait, something's going on here. I can't even close my mouth. I'm catching all this hot air. It's not yes. good. Not healthy. Yes, there is absolutely nothing that's been better for nasal breathing and people's awareness of it or to us to facilitate conversations such as this than COVID. Because as a respiratory disease, the nasal breathers, they were winning. We were already filtering the air through our nose. We were already keeping the nasal passages clear. It makes you more um, likely to not 
contact, con, uh, contract, that's the word, to not contract yeah. respiratory virus. Amazing, absolutely. And you said your practice is in Florida, right? It's in Florida. Yes. And people can see you virtually, not just in person, which is great, you know? And uh, so how can my listeners my, and my viewers find out more about Carice again? Absolutely. You can contact me through my website. It's themyospot.com. Uh, themyospot.com. <laughs> if you're on, if you're on uh, TikTok, Facebook, or Instagram, it's at the at sign the myo spot for all three platforms and you could follow me there to learn more you can go on the website you can book a free consultation i speak to absolutely anyone for free just to figure out what's going on and is myofunctional therapy your very first step how can i best help you and then if it's working through an actual program then yay if it's me directing you to a different path or you know maybe there's something else you need to do first I, i'm more than happy to help as many people as possible get to their very very best performance i believe you and your practice does it take insurance unfortunately insurance is not well received uh, for myofunctional <clears throat> therapy yet it's very very sad because yeah. you know it's always oh, behind right. the ball it took a long time for them to get to chiropractic coverage or mm. lactation and so forth so I'm sure coming down the pipeline in the near, I don't know, immediate future, next five years, probably. But currently it is an out-of-pocket expense. Okay, but I'm sure it's affordable, you know When it comes to health, I mean, you know, your health is your health is your, your is wealth, your health is everything. Without health, you can't do a thing. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. Right? Without breath, you can't do anything Without either. Breath, oh my goodness. And the thing and the, the information you put forth today about asthma and about sleep, and the importance of sleep and the tongue is priceless. Absolutely priceless. And I mean that. But talk more about your book. Where can it where can my listeners and viewers find it? If you're looking to read, my book is accomplished. It's how to uh, sleep better, eliminate burnout, and execute goals. It's available on Amazon. Um, it is available as a Kindle purchase and as a paperback. Feel free to check it out. It's a lot of great tips and resources. I talked through a plan as to how you could start to implement this in your daily life. And so it's not fluff. It really cuts to the chase, which is my big thing. I want to help as many people as possible. I like that. How you said that when I was reading the book, this is not fluff. Get right down to it. This is what's going on. And I'm like, that's really cool. I really like that. Anything else you'd like to share with my people. Absolutely. I always like to leave on this note that I think it's incredibly important that we start advocating for ourselves. So if you have talked to your primary care physician and you said, hey, my sleep isn't really good, or hey, I'm struggling to breathe through my nose, or if you've had some conversation and it just didn't go the way you thought it would, you didn't get that referral you thought you would get, you didn't get that advice that you thought you would get, you just kind of got dismissed, don't get discouraged please advocate yourself, especially for your health. Your health is your wealth. And so please, if you're not getting the right answer from one provider, there is someone out there who will talk to you about your concerns. So please continue to advocate for yourself. Mm. Do you do any speaking beyond the podcast interviews? I do, I do. I do love to speak and be on stages and share as much as I can. Have you done any TED Talks? 
I have done one small one within the dental industry. I don't know. Ted kind of scares me. <laughs> but you uh, but you left the dental industry now, and you're just primarily focusing on this here, which is yes. And we do you feel this is like your calling though, like your your purpose for living, for being here at this time? Do you believe? Absolutely. That? I am a hundred percent certain that this is why I'm on this earth. Whew, I believe it too, because you're helping me. This is great. Carice Laguerre, thank you so much. On behalf of my organization, Body Scope of New York, and my Six Weeks of Fitness program, I want to thank you for coming on my show today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Well, to my listeners, I hope you guys enjoyed it, my viewers, as much as I did, because it's phenomenal. She's the real deal. And I can't wait to actually really push this interview out to as many people as possible. And remember, we don't stop exercising because we grow old. We grow old because we stop exercising. Right, Clarice? <laughs> I love that. <laughs>